talk about how to do continue work. Um, we'll talk about some ways we want to approach uh, what this kind of time together is about. Um, and then we'll kind of go from there. Okay, so we're going to start with a few logistics. Hopefully, Anya will have to stand there. <laughs> I love it. Human tripod. Oh, it's totally fine. <laughs> Patrick's grabbing a tripod. It should be in the packet, yeah. And so, with that, too, 
And so we want you to be in class. And so if you're going to miss more than five classes, we know life happens. We know that um, people have jobs. They have reasons they can't be here maybe on Wednesday night. But if that's the case, we need you to talk to one of us and just kind of work that out because this is a, it's a real thing. So if you're not here in person, we're, we're doing our live stream through Facebook Live. So there's Our Lady of Lords as a Facebook page. And if you just type in Our Lady of Lords on Facebook, you should be able to find that really easily. And one of the cool things there is you can type in questions. And Stephanie or Anya or Patrick should have a computer and they can say, they, they can get your question and they can say, hey, Mother Ryan, slow down. Yeah, so if you miss class and you're like, I'm out of traveling, I'm out of town, I can leave to that class, um, it's always nice to have that on the internet and you can go back and look at it. And we'll give you more instructions on how to find those and through our webpage and, and through Facebook. Okay, let's pause for a second. Questions just beginning right there. About logistics. We'll have a sign-up and we'll have a way for you to do that. We want to get priority of people who are thinking about becoming Catholic. Um, some people won't want to, and we're going to look and see how many people that is. If we have about 30 people then who want to come alive, that would be no problem. In previous years, we usually have about 90 people in our city. So this year is a little different. <laughs> So if, if we had 90 people who said that we want to come every week, we don't want to do that, we want to be safe, and just keep everyone comfortable. Um, and if that's the case, we'll go teach you. But I, I, my guess, and I don't know, my guess is we're probably not going to have 90 people on the week. Anything else about that? So again, when you, if you do come in person, we're going to be downstairs and meet us. Um, tonight, we, we had hoped to be outside, but of course, like, we have our first outdoor event, and it's like 40 degrees, of course. That's how it works, right? Other questions? Okay. So what we want to do tonight is we just want to give you a taste of where things are going. I don't, we might use all the time tonight, we might not. Um, but I always hope when RCIA starts, let me start with that. What is RCIA? Sometimes in the Catholic Church we have these weird acronyms and names that we use just to confuse you. Um, RCIA is a tech, it's like the wrong name, we need a better name. It stands for the right of initiation, uh, RC, right? Christian Initiation for Adults. 
Again, the right of Christian initiation for adults. Basically, it means if you want to become a Christian, and many of you, I'm sure, already are, if you want to become a Catholic as an adult, that's what this is for. Um, as you've heard me say in Mass, one of you at least, I, I love this class, and if you have friends who want to come, this, you're not signing on the dotted line tonight, or at any point in class. One of my big goals for this kind of time together for the next however many months is that um, there's no pressure. And some of you have been here before and you know that. There is zero pressure. And in fact, I will tell you, when if we get into the spring and you're like, you know what, FB, I'm not sure I'm going to be Catholic, that, that's what you rather than FB. Father Brian, if you want to call me a fee, that's like what I prefer. But whatever you're comfortable with, like, hello, priest. <laughs> um, wherever you're at, there's no pressure. Right? This is a place, this is meant, but I want this to be more than anything. This is a place where there's no, um, there's no pressure for you to say the right thing. You can disagree with me as much as you want. You can say, hey, F.B., I think you're totally out on that point, here's why. I love that. And maybe there's like a hundred questions you had about the Catholic faith. You said, I just would love to talk to somebody about it, but it's kind of, I don't want to be pushy, I don't want to be, don't be scared of that. I have heard every question, I think, mostly at least. You can ask any question you want. You can push on me on any point you want. This is just a place to say, I just, I just want to understand why you guys think the way you do. You do not have to become Catholic. Um, and in fact, if you're not there yet, I will challenge you. I, the last thing I want is for someone to become a Catholic for the wrong reasons. Um, and we'll talk more about that. Why is this class on? So, my first year of priesthood, I've been a priest almost uh, the nine years of it's ten in May. Um, thank you. <laughs> uh, my first year of priesthood, maybe before I was a priest, I always wanted to make sure that I taught this class. Um, and a couple years ago, here at Wars, there's a guy named Benji who is in this class. And he, he didn't even, he was already Catholic, but he just needed one sacrament. And he showed up, first night, tonight's night, he showed up, and he said, hey, Father Brian, um, this is RCIA, this is for people becoming Catholic. All I need is to be confirmed. I think I'm in the wrong place. And I, you know, I smiled at him and said, you know, you're in the right place. So glad you're here. He's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm already Catholic. I just need to get, I was like, you're in the right place. And he was like, <laughs> and I will tell you, so he went through RCIA, we got confirmed, and he has told me many times it was one of the best experiences of his life. That's what I want to do. And the reason this class is not a short class is because the Catholic faith is very beautiful.
you guys are adults, if you are children, this would be different. But the church wants to engage you as adults. And what we're going to do over the course of the next six months, and again, if you come to two class and you're like, I just don't think I'm in place for this, that's okay. There's no pressure. Um, but what we're going to do if you stay is this is not a class for 12 months. I hope you have serious questions. I hope you have serious things in your life. You say, I don't understand this. Because you should. This class is going to engage your mind. It's going to engage your heart. And it's going to engage your whole life. And that's not an easy thing. And so what I want to tell you is that it's worth it. So an analogy which we talk about um, time and time again is that if you're someone who's thinking about becoming Catholic, it's a little bit like getting married. And if you're going to get married, right, if you go on a first date and you ask your date, you say, hey, what do you want to be on our second child? <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> you're getting too far. A natural thing, if you're going to ask someone to marry you, that's a big commitment, and you know that you have to build what the Catholic Church teaches um, is basically what I'm going to try to show you guys, try, um, is the meaning of what it means to be human. That's a very big plan, right? That's a very big plan. And so what we want to do is we want to do that justice. And I don't want you to say, yep, I'm ready, if you're not. Just like if I was getting married, if I was pursuing a girl, I wouldn't want her just to be like, yeah, I don't want to be married. It doesn't really matter to you guys. Whatever. I wouldn't want that. You want someone who you're going to marry to say, this is serious. I've got a heart about this. I've engaged my heart, my mind. And this is it. And that's what I hope will happen for you guys. Um, if you're someone who's already Catholic, I know the number of you are, so glad you're here. Every time we have people who are already Catholic, they go through our CIA. Every single time. We have so many good, faithful Catholics walk away and they say, I never knew that. And I'm a better Catholic because of it. So I hope that's true for you. Um, we are going to have one more thing. If you're in person, we'll have a, we have a question and answer box. And sometimes in class, it's a little nerve-wracking to have to raise your hand and ask a question. You always can, but sometimes people aren't comfortable doing that. That's fine. Um, so we have a Q&A box. We'll have sheets of paper, and you can write out your questions. And at the end of most classes, we will pull a couple questions out of there and try to work our way through all the questions you if you're not in person, you can always type in something on Facebook, and you can say, how did Father Brian get scared of so <laughs> And I'll answer, and I'll be like, it's not easy. Don't make all my secrets out, okay? Um, okay, questions about any of that? 
that's a hard question to answer. What, what constitutes an adult? Um, the, when you look at kids in high school, if they were not in high school yet, we probably wouldn't have been here. And then it just kind of is like, there are some sophomores who are really mature. There are some who aren't, who are, they'll come to this class and they'll be bored out of their mind. And I can see them, you know, at a table and they're just like, <laughs> by the way, some adults do that too. <laughs> they come to class and they're just like, oh, I'm like, sorry. <laughs> um, so, so somewhere in there, 14, 15, something like that. Other questions? Sunday, 
was just, we were Catholic, but it didn't mean much to me. So I went to Chatfield uh, Senior High School, lost my gig. Um, and then I graduated, went to the University of Colorado, graduated there in 2002. And what I want you to know tonight is that my story is, the important part of my story is not about me becoming a priest. It's about me becoming a real Catholic. So my mother was, my, and both of my parents were just amazing. I grew up in a great family. Um, probably like a lot of people, I just didn't have a lot of answers. I didn't know why I was Catholic. I didn't know why I didn't think we did. And um, I went to college, and you know, you hit that age. I was 17, 18. You go out to the University of Colorado, the most Catholic school in the country, as I always say. And I was asking the questions of, do I really believe any of this? Do I really want to be a Catholic? And am I just a Catholic because I was raised as one? I'm sure you've all had those questions. I hope you have. They're important questions. So I went out to see you, Boulder. Um, Love my time there. And I was I was kind of looking like, okay, time to get into the party scene and to just live life. Um, my freshman year, I joined a Bible study because my roommate was a Protestant Christian. He, he asked me to join. And I said, okay, we'll join. And that was a big step. It was um, a really good moment for me. I was, some of you might know the group Campus Crusade for Christ. That was a group. I was with them for a year. Um, and I was just asking the questions. Did Jesus really exist? Can we know God exists? Um, is any of this real? Why should I not live a really just fun life doing all the things college kids do? And I didn't have an answer to that. But my freshman year, I was like, okay, I think I want to dive deeper into this. Long story short, I wasn't feeling like I fit into that group. My sophomore year, a Catholic group came to see you called Focus. It was very early. It was a brand new group in those days. And I joined a Bible study with you. And, and here's what's critical that I want you to know. Um, I thought I had questions and no one came to And so probably a lot of the same questions many of you have. And I, again, I still wasn't sure. I was like, can we really know if God is real? Do we really know that Jesus existed? Do we really know that he's God? Is there a way to know that? Um, why can't I have sex with my girlfriend? Um, is there really life after death? Why are we so that was actually a tough answer. But there is an answer. Um, why can't priests get married? Can a priest really forgive sins? Is the Eucharist really the body of Christ? Um, I had tons of questions. And I had never met anyone who could answer them. And so starting my sophomore year of college, I met a guy who, is, who goes to church here now, who's been a friend for the last 20 years or so. Um, 
he was the first person I ever met who was not my grandmother's age, who was a faithful Catholic, was on fire for his faith, and for me, really importantly, two things he was normal. So I don't know if you've ever felt that. I always thought that religious people were all weird, except for if they were your mom or dad or your grandparents. I don't know if you thought that. I always thought that. And it's true. <laughs> uh, I did. I always thought that. So this guy's name is John. John broke my stereotypes. Because he was normal. And I related to him. And so I got to John, and uh, and then I thought, well, John's kind of a cool guy. I was like 21 at the time, and he was like 26. And I thought John would never be able to answer my questions. What I found out in the next basically two years was that all the questions I had, they really weren't answered. And I don't know where any of you come from. We're going to find out. I hope you'll be open with me all the time in class. You get to a place where you're comfortable. And you get comfortable with me to a place where you're like, I can tell it be that I, I'm just not there yet. I hope you get there. But um, I was in a place where, because of my mother, not to pick on her, my mom, my grandmother, and my, the good Catholics in my life, they didn't have great answers. That was hard for me. And what you start to think is if, if someone doesn't have a good answer, and another person doesn't have a good answer, and another person doesn't have a good answer, you start to think of life. If not real. I can't even guess any answers. Nobody has an answer. Wait, what? Nobody has an answer. Nobody has an answer, right? And that's where I started to think. So no one has an answer because there is no and this guy, John, rocked my world because I had all these questions and I was like, that's a really good answer. And I didn't think there was one. Um, it, it was a very powerful time in my life. So that started me on the road. And what I just want to leave with tonight, we'll talk down the road how I did priest, if you're interested in that, that's kind of a separate question. <clears throat> but, the most important thing in my life I think that ever happened, aside from my baptism, we'll talk about that, is that I came to a place where I was like, this is it. And my mind, and my heart, both, and I was skeptical on both levels, my mind and my heart came to a place where I was like, this is it. And it's worth giving my life. Um, so that's a little bit about me. As you already probably know, and you can see right now, I'm a very emotional person. You will see me get emotional. Deal with this. I have to. <laughs> okay. Any questions about that? Okay. Two last topics tonight. Um, well, three actually. So the first thing is this. So, actually, I can make that last. 
three last kind of topics for tonight. Um, so the first, here's what I want to ask of you. Um, when you come to this, I don't know why you're Catholic. Um, some of you are here, I know some of you are here because you're already Catholic and you want to go to Some of you are here maybe because someone asked you. Um, some of you are here, and maybe you have, you're thinking about becoming Catholic. I don't know. I'm grateful you're here. I don't know why you're here. But what I want to invite you to tonight is an attitude of openness. So all this has been in conversations where you've done this, and I've done this as well. You know when you're in an argument with someone, and they're making a point, and all you're thinking about is your way to rebut them. Anybody ever done that? Okay, you'll hear me say this. If you didn't raise your hand, you're a liar. <laughs> We've all done that. And so, what I want to encourage you to, I will never ask you to believe in something if you're not there. I won't. But if you're coming to RCIA, if, if your attitude is this, there's nothing I can do. If you're here tonight and you're like, or you're online or wherever, and if your attitude is, yeah, my wife asked me to be here, prove it to me. I don't care what it is, if it's religion, if it's politics. No matter what it is, if that's your attitude, there is nothing anyone can do. I'm not asking, I will never ask you to make a leap of faith. I don't believe in that. The Catholic Church does not believe in that. But I will ask you to do it. Each of us is in a different place, and if you've got walls around your heart, that's not an easy thing to let go of, and I respect that. But I'm asking you to try. And, and honestly, I'm asking you to give me a fair chance and to give me the benefit of the doubt that I'm a person of good will. Um, okay, that's a big one. If you're here because of someone else, I'm thrilled you're here. Absolutely. We, when I was a a focus missionary, and I was working with college kids, we had a joke that we used to say, flirt to convert. <laughs> uh, and it works sometimes. <laughs> That's okay if you're here because of that. That's fine. Not a problem. You should never become Catholic because of that. Ever. But I, here's a great chance to just say, okay, I'm here because of someone I love or someone who loves me. Might as well engage. Okay, so two last points. Or three. There's always more points. So to start off our class, this is the biggest, this attitude is what I really want to invite you into to start our class. We're going to talk at the end tonight, our last thing we're going to finish with is to become Catholic. There's three things you have to do. There's about 10,000 other things that 
that you're going to have questions about. But there's three things you have to do. We'll get to that. But the first one, and then um, I'll, I'll say it. Um, what I want to invite you to do to start our class is I want us just to challenge you to start right now tonight and to realize that your existence is a profound mystery. Your existence is a profound mystery. If we're going to talk about, in our class, we're going to talk about very deep questions. We're going to talk about what does it mean to be a human being? What does it mean to have a mind that's capable of knowing what truth is? What does it mean to have a heart? Why am I here? If you're like me, which I assume you are, your life is too busy. And so you get up early in the morning, and most likely you go to work, and you're frustrated with traffic on I-25, and if you're like, I call my collar sometimes on I-25, <laughs> so that people don't see a priest in the mouth. There's, there's parishioners and words who have stories like that, and like, that church just cut me off. It's Father Brown. <laughs> okay. um, but you go to your own I-25, you're frustrated with traffic. Um, you have a thousand things going on. The radio's on. Uh, you're worried about the election in November, one way or another. Uh, your boss has deadlines for you. You're frustrated with your roommates or your family. You're worried about the pandemic. Um, you don't make enough money, because none of us do. Except me, actually. Which I actually didn't make enough money. Priests are spoiled. But anyway, there's a lot of things going on. Here's what I want you to realize tonight. You and I are sitting on this giant hunk of rock that we call a planet. And it's spinning in however many millions of miles an hour through space. We don't know where the edge of space is. And in scientists, if, if I understand correctly, scientists think there is an end and it's expanding, right? It's a big bang still. And if you're like me, your mind says, well, what is it expanding into? There's this thing called time, which is deeply mysterious. Right? If you think about time, you like to think that there's a time, there's a, there's a moment when time began. But your immediate question then as a human being is, what was before that? There's this deeply mysterious thing going on. So when I read you a quote, so this is just a Christian author I like. And, and maybe the deepest mystery of all these things is us. Because I have a heart and a soul. And I know this, this mysterious thing called love, I know what it is. And it's something I desire more than anything else. 
there's this thing called truth, and I can't quite explain it, maybe it's really technical, but I know that it really matters. And I know it's important that I live my life according to truth. Most of us don't think about these things because we're too busy. So, this author says, when I get honest, I admit I am a bundle of paradoxes. I believe and I doubt. I hope and I get discouraged. I love and I hate. I feel bad about feeling good. I feel guilty about not feeling guilty. I am trusting and I am suspicious. I am honest and I still play games. Aristotle said that I am a rational animal. I say that I am a rational angel with an incredible capacity for fear. I love that <laughs> So what am I talking about? You're a mystery. And you know it. In your life, as you come to this, and this is what I want to get real with you about, you are a mystery. Your life and your heart and your soul, just like me, is filled with hopes and confidences and doubts and fears. But most of the time, we're too distracted to do anything about it. We're too worried about what's right in front of us. And what I want to do in our CIA is I want to pull you guys out of that. And I want you to think about bigger questions. Like when I, when I do funerals, one of the things I tell people at funerals, we don't, uh, Lord, Lord's is such a funny Catholic parish, we do about two funerals a year and about 50 weddings every year. It's crazy. But at funerals, I had one this past week, <clears throat> at funerals, I always tell people, when someone we love dies, we stop and think about what is life about. And I always tell people, we all know, you guys all know, if you think about the day you die, you know that your life is not supposed to be about how much money you make. It's not about how much pleasure you have. It's not about how attractive you are, how successful you are. We all know that. But most days we don't know. When someone dies at a funeral, it's so funny, it's like at a wedding. I think I've done it, right? But at weddings, we're just like, we just want to look at the bride. We're like, Stephanie, you're so beautiful. Um, which you did. Patrick, you did too. No. But right at a funeral, we, we think about these things. And so people open up, and when I say that people at funerals, and I say, every one of us knows that somehow we were created for love. Not a shallow love. Not a surface level feeling, but every single one of us knows this. That somehow our existence is about And if you know that, this is gonna sound really arrogant, but I've got you. Because you can't believe that about me. I'm going to show you in the coming classes 
It doesn't make sense to really believe in love and to believe in the need for love and not to believe in God. It doesn't make any sense. And hopefully, I don't know, we'll see. Hope that can lead you all the way to, to Jesus and to the Catholic Church. Okay, so this author goes on a couple more quotes from him. So this is him talking about how we get distracted. And this book's a little dated, so bear with me. But he says, We've grown bigger, and everything else is smaller, less impressive. We get blasé and worldly wise and sophisticated. We no longer run our fingers through water. We no longer shout at the stars or make faces in the room. Did you ever go out at night away from Denver? Sure you have. And you go out into the middle of nowhere and you see a billion stars. And you feel small in the best way. And you look up and you say, what a magnificent, amazing universe I am. Love those moments, right? Best moments. Oh. We don't do that anymore. We no longer run our fingers through water. We no longer shadow the stars or make faces in the moon. Water is H2O. The stars have been classified, and the moon is not made of green sheets. I know. Thanks to satellite TV and jet planes, we can visit places once accessible only to the Columbus, the Balboa, and other daring explorers. The black moon vents outside our bedroom window, we don't see her. We avoid the cold and the heat, we refrigerate ourselves in the summer, and our two entomb ourselves in plastic and we miss the experience of awe, reverence, and wonder. So this is where we begin, brothers and sisters. And I want to invite you guys tonight, and as we begin our kind of path through our Saturday, is that most of my mental time is spent thinking about, I've got 50 unanswered emails, and my sermon last Sunday was terrible, and I need to work on this Sundays. And um, I've got to manage this situation and that situation. My car's a mess, I need to do laundry, blah, 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 And I forget that in this mysterious world where rain falls from the sky, um, where plants grow out of the earth, and they feed me. And most importantly, I live in this world where there's this thing called truth. And my mind somehow knows that I'm supposed to not just know facts, but I'm supposed to live according to the truth. And I have this thing that I know is the most important thing that matters in all things on earth. The most important thing is this thing called love. 
These are very deep things. These are deep things, and we're going to talk over the next however long about how we, how does the Christian faith, the Catholic faith, how has it been a guide to billions and billions and billions of people to understand what all that's about? Okay, those are deep things. I have two last points. Questions? Yes? Uh, tell me, expand, expand a little bit about the difference between truth and facts. Yeah, the difference between truth and facts. So an oversimplified answer to that, um, we could go deeper into this, but an oversimplified answer to that would be facts are not in contradiction to truth, but facts are smaller than we Truth is bigger than truth. And truth, so facts are something that I can own and I can put in my pocket. Right? So pi is 3.14. That's all I know is <laughs> Right? And that's a fact. And it's, that is true. But what I mean by this is I mean there are truths about like I am called to treat other people as they deserve to be treated, which somehow is actually bigger than. And that's not just something that I can possess, but it's something that I can step into. So that, that's what I mean. Is that, is that fair? Does that fair? It's a good sentence. Other questions? Okay. Every year I tell people in RCIA, you guys know my name, the time you get to a place where you all have like tons of questions, and I hope you get the classes more fun when you're like, FB, what the heck? And I don't get that and push back. That's fun, I love it, okay? Any questions on the line right here? Not yet, no. Okay, you guys are too. <laughs> okay. So if you're gonna become Catholic and introduce this, we'll bring this back over and over and over again. If you've been in our Saturday, you've heard this before. There are three big questions you have to answer to be Catholic. So if you're getting married, you might not know every single thing about your spouse, but there are some big things you better know. Right? Like, if you're going to marry someone, you'd better know whether or not that person really loves them. You had better know if that person is committed to you for the rest of your life. Right? And like, those are some big questions. There are other ones. But you might hear things that you'll never know every single thing about your spouse. As your marriage unfolds, right, you'll hear married people say, wow, my spouse surprised me. We've been married 40 years. And my husband surprised me because I didn't know this about him. And this kind of came out last week. That's what I mean by that. So there's three questions. If you're going to enter the Catholic Church, you, gotta, you have to be able to say yes to it. They're pretty obvious, but it's a good way to frame where we're going with the class. The first question is, does God exist? If you say no to that question, we can be friends. We can hang out together, but you can't be happy. Right? Kind of a no-brainer. But an important question, and, if you're, and a lot of you probably 
you go through that, and what I hope happens with that, is that it's something that you understand at a deeper level and have profound confidence in. Is that God's existence is not a feeling, it's not a nice thought. We can have greater confidence that God exists than we can in two and two is Intellectually, that is absolutely true. And I can assure you why. Okay, that's the first question. The second question is, is Jesus God? Right, again, pretty obvious. But if you if you like go through the first question, like, hey, if we 100% God exists, I'm on board. Is Jesus God? I just don't see it. I don't believe that. We can be friends. We can hang out. Let's go get a beer somewhere. I will try to convince you otherwise. But you can't be a Catholic if you don't think Jesus is God. Right? Third one, which depending on where you're coming from, if you're someone who's coming from a, a Christian background that's not Catholic, the third question is the biggest one for you. The third question is, did, did Jesus give authority to the Catholic Church? Did Jesus give authority to the Catholic Church? So we're going to touch on about a thousand other questions in RCIA. Like a lot of you may say, why do we pray to saints? Why can't we be married? Why can't women be this? Um, all good questions. We'll talk about every single one of those. We'll talk about a thousand other questions. Um, but it's a little bit like, but if you really believe God, and that Jesus is God, and Jesus gave authority to the Catholic faith, it's a little bit like, I don't know why my wife does laundry the way she does, does it, but I can still be married to her. Right? Because I know that we are in a committed relationship until death, that we are going to raise our children together, that we love each other unconditionally. Those are the things that make marriage. And then you walk into a righteous spouse and say, I don't know why my husband does the dishes the way he does it. It's crazy. Or actually, I walk and say, I don't know why my husband doesn't do dishes. <laughs> you don't have to know why your husband doesn't do dishes to be married to him. You do have to know that he is committed to you unconditionally. So those are the big three, um, and we're going to walk through those, and we'll walk through a bunch of other stuff, but those are the three big questions, and if you come to a place, if we get to a place and you're like, I'm just not there yet, that's okay. And maybe you say, you know what, I'm, I'm just not there, I might come back next year, come back next year. This is the kind of thing that's worth taking your time and being convinced of. I'm always going to be here, I mean, for a certain number of years, hopefully. Uh, so I'm here as long as you need me. Okay, one more pause for questions, and then we'll close with my last Who say, I'm not sure God exists. 
great question. And we'll talk about that. And that's why we do this. And so, um, kind of like my experience in growing up as a Catholic is that I love my mom, I love my grandmother, but my grandmother couldn't prove to me that God existed. She couldn't give me really good reasons for that. And part of the hope, I don't know everything, you will inevitably, someone will stomp me this year. I try not to admit it because I'm prideful. But someone will stump me. But I have studied all this for about 20 years. And I've kind of big deal. I know something about this. And so I'll do my best to answer. And hopefully then, then I can be a dialogue partner for you. Where you say, okay, that fee doesn't know everything, but she knows if you're around about Catholicism, I can talk to her about this. Other questions, Jen? So, um, I haven't done catechism 45 years. Yep. Okay, and so some of the stuff you're talking about is like, I have no idea. I mean, yep. it was just different yep. when I grew up. And so, and obviously it's going to be different between what you teach to children versus yes. adults. So with children, you teach more about parables and the life of Jesus. Yep. And this is going to be not like that. It's going to be a whole different. Yeah, so I'm going to repeat the question as best as I can. Okay. So these guys can hear it. <laughs> so the question is like the level of teaching. So she said she hasn't been in catechism for a long time. And you teach children, you talk about Jesus, parables, and things. We're adults, it's going to be like that, it's going to be different. And the answer is both in. And here's why I'm counting on you to help me out. Because I don't know where everyone is. I just don't. So most years we have people who come to our CIA who we have a good reputation for to our class. And so people say, hey, my really, really smart friend who has a doctorate in philosophy, <laughs> go to Lourdes and go talk to Father So I've got someone in Q4 and says, you know, um, well, Nietzsche says this. And let's talk about Nietzsche's kind of book two and thus spoke his area through show. And everyone else is like, <sighs> But then what happens most frequently is most people in class, you know, a lot of people in class are like, Father Ryan way over my head and you know what they do? Is they get nervous, they don't want to be embarrassed about that, and so they sit there and never say anything. So I need all of your guys' help. You need to help me know I'm like teaching, if I'm like teaching down here, you're like, all right, all right, I get it. Tell me that, roll your eyes at me at least, okay? Or if I'm like up here, and I'm like, astrophysics, you know, I was talking about, I was talking about Sir uh, Fred Hoyle in the next class, who was a, um, an astrophysicist who won the Nobel Prize, and actually he's a Whatever, you're going to be like, I have no idea what Nietzsche the Lord is that you're talking about. Please tell me that. Because I can't, I don't, I'm not that holy yet, I can't read your soul or your mind. I can't do it. And so it's always a, a balancing act for me of like, how do I, how do I speak to people who are here? How do I speak to people who are here? Here or wherever you're at, and I want to do that. Um, so it's a bit of an art, and so we'll do a bit of both. But predominantly, I will say, I will treat you like adults. 
I'm going to try to not be too intellectual, but I will enjoy doing this. And just as a follow-up to that, in the actual class, we usually have a whiteboard and like go through different points where you can understand what's going on in the class and there's more of like a rhythm to the topic that we're going over. Like each class there's a topic, so you kind of are following through with each class and it, it rolls into the next one and it's
we are going to talk about this over and over and over again because that's what Christianity is. It's a way. So, what does that mean? I will never ask you to be perfect. Most of you, I would guess, I don't know, we'll find out, most people I think they get nervous about, especially the Catholic Church, because when we think of the Catholic Church, we think of priests and doctrine and morality. We're going to get to that. We're going to have our third section of class is all about morality. We will go in depth about all the controversial questions. Anything you want to ask, we'll be there. But that's not what Christianity is. A lot of people today, you hear people say, you know, there's people who can live a good life and not be Christians. We totally agree. And then the New Testament does as well, by the way. St. Paul, in, in the intro to one of his letters, he says that God wrote the moral law on people's hearts. Every time. Right? So in other words, like, I never, when I mean non-Christians, I never try to convince them that murder is wrong. Because they know. Right? I've never met a non-Christian who's like, that priest, I don't know. Pretty sure murder is just fine. Right? No one thinks that. So Christianity is not just a moral system. It has a moral system, but it is not a moral system. Christianity has a moral system, but it is not a moral system. Here's what Christianity is. And here's what I'm going to ask of you if you're going to engage this time together over the next six months, is that when Jesus starts the church, when he begins his life on earth, he didn't walk up to people and say, okay, are you sleeping with your girlfriend? Are you doing cocaine? Stop it. <laughs> That's how he did. You know what he did? Is he pointed to people and said, hey, come with me. Come walk. That's what Christianity is. You've already started that, by the way, tonight. It's not easy to just go to something like this, especially in a pandemic. Um, but when Jesus calls the first Christians, they don't know he's God. It's very clear in the Gospels. They don't know who he is. All they know, there's only one thing they know, is that there's something compelling about him. That's it. And that's all I've ever asked from you. Well, I don't. But as a starting point, that's what Christianity is. Jesus, I've got a I've hundred questions, and I, I, don't, I don't understand X, Y, and Z. And Jesus doesn't say, well, here's, here's a form. Fill this out. Check the boxes. Do you believe in the resurrection? Uh, do you believe that, I don't know, whatever. Check the boxes, and if you fill out all the right ones, you can be a Christian. That's not Christianity. Christianity begins because Jesus stepped into the world, and he saw people, he did amazing things, and he said, come with me. 
I will never ask you in RCIA to make a huge leap. What I will ask you to do is take a step. That's it. I will never ask you to sign on the dotted line or something you're not comfortable with. Uh, but faith is a step. And what happens, and the reason that Christianity was called the way, is that what Jesus does, and the word way is a Greek word, well, here, it's in any language. But in the New Testament, the New Testament, uh, which is like the life of Jesus and what Christianity is based on, the New Testament is written in the Greek language. And the Greek word for the way is hodos. So I'll just check my kids. So I don't know to do. Everybody say hodos. Hodos is the word for way. And in Greek, it can mean a street, a path, something like that. And what Jesus does in the Gospels is that he gets certain people, he says, and he loves them. He touches their life somehow, which I would guess you're here tonight, because God has touched your life somehow, I hope. And, and Jesus says, come walk with me. And what happens is they walk, and this is the central part of the gospel stories. We'll get to what that the gospel means, we'll get to that. But the life of Christ, the central part of the story, uh, Jesus walks with his closest followers, and they begin to discover who he is. Uh, that's what Christianity is. I have been walking with Christ in an intentional way for about 20 years. My moral life is not together. No one ever believes me when I say that, but I am not perfect. Long way from it. I don't understand everything. I've come a long way. And my Christian life is a life of walking. There come the emotions. That's what Christianity is. Again, last last night, I'll say that every week I'll like. This is the last thing I'll say about the last time every week. This is why you can't get on the fence. If you're on the fence tonight, that's fine. If you're on the fence next week, fine. Um, but my invitation again is that you'll never discover who Jesus is if you want to stay on the sidelines. If you really want to get an answer to whether or not this is true, you can't be on the sidelines. It's impossible. The only way, it's just like being in a relationship, right? If you're dating someone and you're on the sidelines, you'll never find out if you're the person. You can't do it. There are certain types of things you can do that with. There are certain things in life you have to take a chance. Doesn't mean you have to, you know, sell the family farm and give up everything. But it does mean, right? Okay, Jesus, I don't know if you're God. I don't know if the Catholic Church is really real or not? Don't know. But I'll take a step. That's what I'm asking you to do. That's what we'll do over the next six months. Um, that's what Christianity is. I have an idea of that.
I'm going to ask all I got questions. So why do you priests wear black? <laughs> that was awesome. Why do you priests wear black? So the, the short answer is because um, not just Catholicism, but lots of preachers in history, and I think it's true, is that black is the color of death, which is why my life is terrible. <laughs> No, priests wear black because it's supposed to be a reminder that if we think about the end of our life, we'll live for the things that really matter. And so the black is supposed to be a reminder of someday you will die. And so don't live for power or pleasure, but live for the things that really matter. Yeah. He's a good new person. Yeah, so to both answer, we would keep the questions best in hand. So that follow that follows Christ, how does that develop into the church? Because there's different Christian communities, they believe different things, and with time they kind of coalesce into, into the church stuff here. Yeah. So, um, so I'm gonna say it's a little bit both in, and we're gonna talk in depth about that question because that's a super important question. And what we'll get to is that in the early days of Christianity, it wasn't always like perfect where everyone believed exactly the same thing at the same moment at the same time. But we have the most like the most important witnesses we have and evidence from the first century is that Jesus did start a church himself. And we'll talk about that in the Bible, we'll talk about that outside the Bible. We'll talk about how the earliest Christian voices we have, um, all the evidence we have, how they can talk about that. We'll also talk about groups that disagree with that. But we're gonna we're gonna see in in, in, in the Catholic perspective, and I and honestly I just would say the historical perspective is that although it was never 100 perfect, there was a foundation of the church from Christ.
Lord God has been upon us is meant to go out. So it is funny. I've seen lots of cartoons about that. You know, thanks for your help. Any questions? Okay. Before you read the uh, the gospel, mm -hmm. you do this, this, and this. What is it? Because at mass and priest, when the gospel is read, the gospel is the third reading of the Sunday mass, and it's where we read something from the life of Jesus Himself. Everyone stands and the priest says, "Lord, be with you." And everyone says, "And with your spirit." And, your spirit. Yes. and the priest the priest goes like this. He makes a cross. And says, head on his lips and in his heart. And there's a prayer there that the church gives and asks priests to say silently. And so the prayer I say when I do that is uh, may the Lord be in my mind, on my lips, and in my heart that I might worthily proclaim his gospel. And so really it's just a simple prayer. Just asking God to be in, in those three places. And with a, it's, a, it's a sign of that reading is kind of a high point of that first half of the mass. My son-in-law does it every time we pass a Catholic church. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. And a lot of people do that. Some people in the pews do that as well. And that's fine. You don't have to. It's just something that kind of develops as a prayer. Yes, something we'll probably get into next week, but I feel like when you talk to people that are not believers, one of the questions that they will ask, and I've never really had a good answer, but if God is so good, why does he let all this evil happen to us? Yes. I've never been able to give any thought to that or yeah. good reply to that. So just, I mean, we can go in more depth next week. But just no, I love how the first time you ask the hardest question of all. You know, <laughs> 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 you know, all the human existence. So you know, the question is, if God is so good and he loves us so much, why is there all this stuff? Uh, it's a massively important question. Uh, there's two really quick answers I'll give, and we'll go deeper into this. The first one is that um, the, the basic Catholic answer is that God can have it two ways at once, and we're going to flush this out. But God wants us to love Him, and a condition for love is freedom. And so the Christian tradition, and certainly the Catholic tradition, has always said that um, God, so like, let me just use this example really quick. This is, well, I'm going to do this other way. I'll use this again next week or two weeks whenever this comes up again. Imagine you're in high school, and the girl you had been working with her to ask out for four years, you're a senior, you've had this huge crush on her, and you have um, finally got the courage to ask her to prom with you. So you do, so you, you, know, you ask her, and you ask her, and you ask her out. By the way, this is not autobiographical. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you work up the courage, you finally ask her out, and she says yes. Right? And how do you feel? Great. Best day ever, right? Um, but then you go home that afternoon, and you find out that your mom called her mom and said, hey, you know what, my son Ryan has had a huge crush on your daughter. Could you please, like, could you just make her say yes? So if I find that out from my mom, that her mom forced her to say yes, how do I feel then? 
bad for the same reason. And the reason is because it's because love is never real unless it's free. And so the, the Catholic tradition has always said that God did not introduce evil into the world, but a condition for love is free. And so for God to create a world where we could freely love each other and love him, a condition for that was we had to have a possibility of shooting people. I feel we heard this sooner later because that's a really important question. We'll talk about how does that relate to cancer, hurricanes, COVID, um, and murder, and all these things that we'll talk about. But that's, that's the very reason. Yeah, so the Eucharist is called the source of the summit. I'm glad you guys are asking yeah, questions. This great. I know, this doesn't even happen tonight. So the Eucharist is called the source of the summit of the Christian life by the Catholic Church. And all we mean by that, so think about those two things. Source, where everything comes from. Summit is the high point. And what the church means by that is that we believe, and if you know the word Eucharist, Catholics, and we're going to get to this down the road, Catholics believe that the bread church at Mass becomes the flesh of Jesus Christ. And so what we're saying about that is that the source of the Christian faith, everything in the Christian faith, is Jesus. And he, in the Eucharist, he is the present. And the summit, and again we'll talk about this, which is very quickly tonight, what Christianity is about, it's about the way, but it's about union with
Lord Jesus, we praise you and thank you today for the mystery of our lives, or for the profound mystery of this world that you have given us, for the mystery of our hearts and our minds. Pray a thanksgiving for everyone here tonight, that they took the chance to come here. Pray that you would bless all those watching from home. Give us all a good week the rest of this week. Bless our lives and our country and our world. And then we draw close to you. And we ask this through Christ, our Lord. Thank you, everyone. Uh, any last announcements?